The Holy Gospel for this uh, fourth Sunday in Epiphany comes from Matthew chapter 5. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light to my path. Please be seated. All right, fourth, fifth, and sixth graders, first I have a little assignment for you. Um, don't worry, it's not a quiz or anything, but just an invitation. So I just read these words. We just heard these words from Jesus about how people are blessed, but it's mostly when hard things are happening to them. So if you want during the sermon, not that you don't want to pay total 1,000% attention, you know, um, but if you want to, you could write your own blessings. What do you, well, who else do you think Jesus would bless? Like, blessed are the people who are crabby sometimes. That's just, that's just, I'm, not that I was this morning in any way at all. I'm just saying, right? Blessed are the people who have a math test on Tuesday. Blessed are the people who, I don't know. That's up to you, okay? And if you do that, I would love to see them afterward. Okay, all right. Dear friends in Christ, grace and peace to you from God, our creator, and from the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And Jesus said to them, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. I wish I knew exactly what Jesus meant when he said that. I have a great many questions for God. I'm sure you do as well. And while some of them are more on the curiosity side, like, Mosquitoes, God? Really? Why? Many of them run deeper. Like, Cancer, God? Really? Why? And mass shootings, oh God? Really? How long? And sending your baby to college, but he doesn't come home. God? Why? I realize that this is intense right off the bat, but... Life is like that sometimes. Maybe it's like that from a distance when we watch the news and we, we see that our neighbors, our fellow citizens in California or Iowa or Yakima went to a celebration dance or to work or school or the store and were met by a gunman and did not return home. Maybe life is intense at a closer distance, like sitting at the doctor's office listening to a diagnosis that you never saw coming. It's like listening to someone speak a foreign language almost. 
or trying to keep your head and heart above water while you're fighting depression, or providing care for someone you love but not really knowing how to do it or what you're doing. And then there are the times when life is intense right up close. The phone rings and you hear something that turns your life into a nightmare measured forever by before and after. You know, I cannot for the life of me find a blessing in that. And I've tried. And I bet you have too. Turned your life over and over like rocks in a garden hoping to find some kind of green shoots way underneath. There must be something, we say, hidden away, way, way down in the soil that will turn this awful hard day into a blessing. And sometimes we do find it. And sometimes we don't. I promise I'll come back to the Beatitudes, but I'm going to take the long way around. So bear with me. There are a great many ways in which the culture in which we live and the culture in which Jesus lived and walked and prayed and talked, those two cultures are very, very different from each other. It's not that we have to know all of those in order to understand the Bible like there's an answer key in the history book somewhere. But it can help sometimes, and I think it might specifically help today. Those of you who were in the class that I helped facilitate on Wednesday nights heard a little bit of this already, thanks to uh, Danielle Dadashi, one of our wonderful staff members. Scholars of first century Hebrew society tell us that two of the primary values of that culture were honor, and shame. Now importantly, those two experiences are community experiences. That is, you experience honor or shame in a group of people, not just on your own. Either one, honor or shame, are public things, a status that other people will know about you. The idea, I suppose, is that shame, or the fear of it, will motivate you to behave or to change for the better. What often happens is that shame becomes overwhelming, disconnects us from each other, and it's almost impossible to find your way back. Anthropologists say that you and I, today, we live in more of a guilt culture. Guilt is an internal, individual feeling, not a community one. You could feel guilty, nobody around you would necessarily know it. Our culture is good at making us feel guilty about a lot of things our doubts, our body shapes, our gender expressions, our abilities, our economic status, you name it. In a guilt culture, the idea is that when you feel guilty about something, you might be motivated to change it. What mostly happens, of course, is that we just feel worse and worse and worse. Now, it's not that our culture or first century Middle Eastern culture does or did these things on purpose. Nobody is running the honor and shame department or the ministry of guilt in order to enforce these values. It's just sort of how it is. It's in the water. It's in the air, whether you like it or not. Now, I really do promise I'm getting back to the Beatitudes in a minute, but there's one more piece of this to hold up for us. In a guilt culture like ours, 
You tend to feel bad from the inside out. And your guilt affects the way you behave and everything about your life, whether you know it or not. In a shame culture, you feel bad from the outside in. The community lets you know that you've messed up, that you've dishonored someone or broken the rules, and that affects the way you act in the world all the time, whether you know it or not. But what these cultures maybe have in common is that in both cultures, this means that when we find ourselves in difficult circumstances, grief, illness, poverty, divorce, failure, losses of any kind, we can be motivated to hide it, keep it inside. We don't really like feeling guilty and we sure don't want to feel ashamed. So we pretend things are fine. So at the beginning of his public ministry, Jesus invited a bunch of ragtag fishermen and tax collectors to follow him around and hang out with him. And the first public thing he did was begin to heal people. This is also the first thing people heard about Jesus. And once the word was out that he could heal, the word was out. His fame spread quickly. The gospel tells us that People all of a sudden brought to him all the sick, those who were afflicted with various diseases and pains, and he cured them, and great crowds began to follow him. So that's the setting of Jesus' words today. We heard that there's a crowd there, but this particular crowd is made up of people who were sick and hurting and paralyzed and possessed by demons, whatever that meant in the first century, and their caregivers who had all brought them to Jesus in hope that something could be done. Those are the people that Jesus looks out at, and he sees their desperation for hope and their hunger to live without pain, and probably their faces streaked with tears. And it's to them that he says, How honored are those who are poor for theirs is the empire of heaven. How honored are ones who mourn. They'll be comforted. How honored are the meek and the ones hungering and thirsting for justice and the ones who give their whole heart away. How honored are the ones who work for peace. They are God's children. There have been discussions among theologians and language experts and scholars for generations about how to translate what Jesus says. We've mostly settled on blessed, and that's how we read it this morning. That's how most of us have heard this passage for years. Some people say it's more accurate to say happy, which works even less in my mind, I think. Neither one of those seems to quite fit the world that we live in. In our individualized culture, blessing often means you feel like you've been rewarded for something. Things are going well. And happy implies that you're enjoying the present moment. And when we hear these words that way, Jesus doesn't make any sense at all today. There's usually no immediate blessing to be unearthed in struggle and no happiness to be found when we're suffering. I mean, maybe down the line we can look back and we can see how God made something good. God brought a blessing out of a hard thing. But Jesus doesn't say, blessed are those who used to be poor in spirit. 
or happy are those who live through a terrible thing, but it's gotten better. Whatever he says applies right in the middle of the hard, vulnerable, tender thing. And that's why I wonder if maybe we've gotten the words wrong for some generations. Or maybe, better said, we've just used the wrong word for our time. Maybe what Jesus is saying today isn't that we're supposed to feel good when things are hard. Or that we're supposed to try to make ourselves poor in spirit. Or that there'll be an extra bonus for us in heaven when we can be pure of heart, which, to be clear, is almost never. I wonder if what Jesus is telling us today is that the hardest, most tender, vulnerable things we go through in this life should not, should not be a source of shame. That we don't need to hide from our wounds We don't need to hide them from ourselves or from each other. And that we're actually called to create communities safe enough to tell the hard truths and to honor each other when we're doing that. Because that's what God does. God honors us when we grieve. God honors us when our faith is worn so thin it feels like it's going to snap. Honors us when we persist in doing what we think makes for justice and righteousness, even when it feels like just a drop in the bucket. That, of course, is not how the world works most of the time, maybe because of guilt or shame or a thousand other things. We try to hide our hard moments and our worst failures and our deepest fears. But right from the beginning, Jesus wants us to know that the empire of heaven, the kingdom of God, is different. There's no dishonor in being poor of spirit. There's no shame in the rawness of our grief. There's no reason to feel guilty, no reason to hide away from each other when we feel meek or worn down or when we just don't fit anywhere in the world, so we think. God's kingdom, God's empire, God's way of making communities and organizing life honors all of that, makes room for all of it. Actually, more than makes room, God puts at the center of us all of these hard things, the people who are most bruised or easily misunderstood or easily pushed aside in the rest of the world. Maybe we'll never totally understand what Jesus meant by all of this. But we can see what he did. That when he looked out at a crowd of hurting, hungry, doubting, desperate people, he told them that they were honored. That God could see it. That they were loved. That Somehow, whatever God is doing in the world is going to begin with them. So now we are the crowd, although I am for sure not Jesus. We are the crowd of hurting, hungry, desperate, doubting people. 
And to us, Jesus says, you who are grieving, you who are poor in spirit, you who are yearning for justice, you who feel invisible, you who wonder if you will ever get your feet underneath you again, you, honored are you. Maybe even, blessed are you. May we build a world where even these words make sense. Amen.